If we are going to love the world around us, one of the things we have to understand is how we plug into the source of power that enables us and infuses us and equips us to do those things that we're called to do that sometimes we're afraid to do, like go. Like what we talked about the very first week, as we leave that which is comfortable for that which is unknown, and we go and we share. Again, two weeks ago, we began a journey that I believe is radically going to change the way we view that thing called evangelism. And the reality is it's a lot easier than we think. It really is just understanding and then being who God has called us to be. And the cool thing is, it's not meant to be done alone. I mean, we're not in this battle alone. We're not in this fight alone. We're not meant to do life by ourselves. And we've talked about that before. And two things have happened. One is this, and we're going to talk about that today. He has given us the gift of his spirit, what John Michael talked about last week. We've been given the gift of his spirit. And his spirit is there to empower us and to guide us and direct us and to teach us and to equip us and to send us as, as we go. But he's also given us one another. And we're to share in this together. Now, two weeks ago as we began in week one, the main takeaway was simply this. The single greatest gift Christ followers can give to the people around them is an introduction to the God who created them and who loves them more than they could ever imagine. I mean, that literally is the single greatest gift we can give. It's just an introduction to the God who loves us, who created us, and who loves us, again, more than we could ever imagine. And let me tell you, nothing beats it. Not money, not job opportunities, not recognition or success. And when you boil it all down, this is what loving the world is all about. I got either heard from or got emails from at least three to four people this week who talked about how they left the comfortable for the unknown and what that experience was like and, and what it, it meant to them in their life. And that is so cool to hear those stories of putting into practice what we've been talking about. And so the question that we began to unpack in week one was simply this. How can we become gift bearers of the greatest gift that has ever been given? How do we become those gift bearers? Well, as we talked about that first week, it begins with a willingness to leave that which is comfortable to enter that which is unknown. And the reality of life is that can, that can be really hard to do, can it? I mean, it's scary. I mean, it's scary to leave that which is comfortable to head toward that which is unknown. It's scary to leave your comfort zones to go talk with somebody who may be way off who you don't know, who you've never met. It's a scary thing, and it is hard for us to do. You see, we like the comfortable, and we're afraid of the unknown, and yet that is exactly where Jesus has commanded us to go. In Matthew, we read, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. You see, leaving your comfort zone to share with someone who desperately needs Jesus wasn't a suggestion that we only do if we feel like it. It's a command to be obeyed and then lived out. That's why I like uh, what Tim Harlow uh, said, who preaches 
uh, up in the Chicago area. He said, once you are in the kingdom, your mission is to be about those who are not in the kingdom. And that really is our mission. You see, you and I have been created to go. We've been created to share. We've been created to give the greatest gift that we could give, an introduction to the God who created us and loves us. So how do we do that? I mean, what do we do? How do we accomplish that in our life? Well, the second thing I want us to look at and to understand is this. We have to plug into the power source. We have to plug into the power source because the reality is, again, we can't do that on our own. We don't have that much power, that much strength on our own. We have to rely upon the power that God gives us through the gift of his spirit. There's a great passage. Just one simple, small verse is found in Habakkuk chapter 2, verse 20. And this is what it says. It says, The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Let me read it again. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now you may be thinking, yeah, that's kind of a nice scripture. But what's the big deal? Well, let me ask you this question. What makes a place holy? You ever thought about that? I mean, what makes a place holy? Well, I believe as you search the scriptures, this is what you discover. You discover that what makes a place holy is the very presence of God. And because God's presence is there, it makes that place holy. The Lord is in his what? Holy temple. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Now, here's what I want you to do. If you're a Christian today, if you've given your life to Christ, if you've surrendered to him and you've made him Lord of your life, then I want you to take your hands. I've asked you this before in the past. Just take your hands and look at them. Go ahead, look at them. Take your hands and look at them. You looking? Good. This is why I want you to do that. Because you and I are the holiest place on this planet. You and I, believe it or not, we are the holiest place on earth. Because living inside of us is the very presence of the living God. You get that? You and I now become the holiest place on this planet. Why? Because living inside of us, indwelling us, is the very essence of God, the very presence of God. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself, for God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about that for a moment. I want you to think about the fact that the very presence of God indwells you and lives within you. And you are now the holiest place on this planet. And if that's the case, let me ask you this. Shouldn't that affect the way we live our life? Shouldn't that affect the way we approach life? Shouldn't it? Shouldn't that give us the confidence to share with those who are far from God? I mean, shouldn't that relieve us of the fear that keeps us trapped in our comfort zones? Here's the thing. 
that we have to remember. When we finally grasp the reality of the indwelling presence of the living God, it will cause us to begin living lives above the status quo, above the world. It will give us the courage to leave that which is comfortable for that which is unknown because now we understand that we go in his strength, we go in his power instead of our own. So then, what do we need to do in order to stay plugged in? Because I think if a lot of you were honest today, you would have to say, man, I don't know what happened. I don't know if somebody stepped on the cord and pulled it out. I don't know what happened, but I just feel like I'm unplugged. I just feel unplugged. So what can we do to begin to, to, begin to, be, to stay plugged into the power source? Wait, here's the first thing. I believe that God's spirit works from the inside out. Now, that may sound funny to you, but I, this is what I believe. I believe that God's spirit works from the inside out. In other words, I believe that he brings about an inward change that gradually transforms the outward person, which then in turn will begin to affect not only how we live, but how we share. I think he works from the inside out. He changes the inward man first, which in turn affects and changes the outward man, the outward person. But the sad commentary on life for a lot of Christians today is this. They're content to just remain the same year after year. And so they go through the motions and become stagnant in their spiritual lives. And yet the Bible paints a totally different picture of how we are to live our lives. Because you and I are supposed to live lives that are being transformed. We are supposed to be living lives that are becoming more and more like Jesus. I mean, that's what he has called us to do. I love this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 3. It starts in verse 12. And Paul simply writes these words. He says, we have this hope, so we are very bold. We are not like Moses, who put a covering over his face so the Israelites would not see it. The glory was disappearing, and Moses did not want them to see it end. But their minds were closed, and even today, that same covering hides the meaning when they read the old agreement. That covering is taken away only through Christ. I want you to underline that. The covering is taken away only through Christ. Even today, when they read the law of Moses, there's a covering over their minds. But when a person changes and follows the Lord, get this, that covering is taken away. The Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Our faces then are not covered. We all show the Lord's glory. And we, get this, and underline it, and we are being changed to be like Him. This change in us brings ever greater glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Now, let me give you some background. Paul is taking us back to the days when Moses would go up on Mount Sinai and he would have a face-to-face -face encounter with his God. And when he would do that, each time he went, he would be changed and he would be transformed and his face would literally glow from being in the very presence of God. But when Moses would come down off the mountain, he would wear a veil over his face. 
because he wanted to cover the fading glory because once he left the presence, the glory began to fade. And so with every step he took, the glory faded away. But here's the cool thing. Paul says Christ changed all that. Christ changed all that. Paul says we don't wear, wear a veil because the Lord's glory, get this, is not supposed to fade. It's not supposed to fade. Why? Because it's supposed to increase as we become more and more like Christ. And the reason is this. It's because we never leave the presence of God. In other words, we don't leave the mountain. The mountain's in us. His spirit indwells us. And just as God transformed Moses, he will also transform us when we allow his presence to do the work that he's been called to do in us. Now, let's go a little deeper on this. The word changed can also be translated as transformed. And in both cases, it's in the passive voice. And that just means that we do not change or transform ourselves. Get that? We do not change or transform ourselves. God is the one who changes us. God is the one who transforms us. And so maybe... The reason you're still struggling with sin, maybe the reason you remain in that which is comfortable is because you are either trying to change yourself or in reality you just don't want to change. I mean, maybe you're just happy with the way things are. I mean, you got a nice little routine going and you really don't want to mess that up with God. Now, let me be real honest. You can never transform yourself. You can't do it on your own. That's the work of God's spirit that lives within us. And God's spirit and his presence in our lives is the thing that will enable God to help change us and to help us to become more like Jesus. He's the only one that can bring about real life change. Which brings me to this. And I think it's important for us to understand and I think it's important for us to, to know as we leave the comfortable for that which is unknown. And that is this. It is not our job to change people. Okay? It's not our job to change people. As you go, as you share, as you pour into them, it's not your job to change them. That is the job of the Spirit. And yet, I hear people all the time going, man, I just know what I'm going to do. I've been talking with this person. I've been sharing with them. And they're just not getting things right. I'm just going to have to do this or that. I, and they think they have to change the person. That's not our job. Our job is simply to guide them, direct them, to pour into them, to love them, and to pray over them. That's our job. But this word changed or transformed is also in the present tense, which means that the transformation is not just is, is not just a past event. God is continually transforming us into the image of Christ. In other words, understand change doesn't happen overnight. You and I are a work in progress. You and I are a work in progress, and if we're a work in progress, then so is that person you're sharing with. So is that person you're pouring into. So don't expect them to change overnight. Because God has to do his work in them. It's a process. True story. My second ministry out of college, 
I met a man by the name of Steve. And Steve, when I met him, Steve, his family went to our church, but he had just got out of prison. He was uh, the leader of one of the largest Hells Angel gang in uh, the Tulsa area at the time. This was back in the early 80s. Steve was in prison for uh, shooting an FBI agent. Him and his wife had a check uh, cashing scam that literally was making them thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. When he got out of prison, him and his wife had a child, and I think the, just that fact that they had a, a baby now was causing him to reflect on his life. So he decided he needed to get some things right with God. Now, Steve was your typical hell's angel biker. I mean, he had the ponytail down literally to his waist, the leather, everything. And at that time, Steve weighed probably around 275 pounds. Just a huge man. Somebody you know you didn't want to tackle with or mess with. So when Steve decided he needed to get his life together, all of a sudden on Sundays, not only was Steve and his wife there, but the other 12 members of the Hells Angel gang. He was the boss. He told them they had to be there. And so the whole back row was just this Hells Angel gang in their leather, their ponytails. When you pulled into the parking lot, the first thing you saw was these 12 bikes just lined up in a row. Over the next several weeks and literally months, Steve began to come, and God's Spirit began to do a work on his heart and his life. And I remember when Steve surrendered and gave his life to Jesus and was baptized into him. And things began to change inwardly. God began to change the inward man. But that change took time to affect the outward man. It was about three to four months after he gave his life to Christ that he came and sat down in Eldon's office. Eldon was the senior pastor. And, and him, I, Eldon and I were in, in the office, and, and Steve was there, and he just shook his head. He said, you know, he said, I, I've given my life to Jesus now, and, and I know God is working on my life, and things are, things are changing, but he said, I, I just don't see it. You know, I'm not seeing some of this. And he said, the hardest part is, I know you guys said I needed to get an honest job. You know, I can't do the check cashing thing anymore. So um, I, I, I've been applying everywhere. And I remember Eldon looking at him and saying, oh, Steve, what do you wear when you go to these interviews? He said, well, I, I just go just like I am. And we just started laughing. And Eldon said, you know what? You, you may just need to begin to change the outward man. Maybe it's time that you allow God's spirit who has been working in your heart to begin to change the outward. Two weeks later, Steve shows up on a Wednesday night Bible study, and literally nobody knew him. Seriously, nobody knew him. He was in a suit and tie, and he had got a haircut, and he came and he presented Eldon with his ponytail as a trophy. <laughs> I say that for this reason. We have to understand that God, first of all, transforms the inward man, which will gradually take its time to transform the outward. And just because you share or you see people come to Christ and then you begin to wonder, did, was that, were they really serious about that? I just haven't really seen that change. Understand, change takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. God affects the inward, and that will gradually affect the outward man. 
So, if change is vital to us sharing the God we are becoming like, then what can we do that enables the Spirit to begin that transforming process in our life? Well, the first thing is this. I believe it begins by placing ourselves in the, in the right place to be transformed. By putting ourselves in the right place, Moses discovered his place where he could be transformed by his God. It was the mountain of God. And so that's where Moses would go. And we must do the same. We must place ourselves where God's spirit can work in us and through us. Paul writes in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I love how the Message Bible puts it. So here's what I want you to do, he writes. God helping you take your everyday ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embrace, embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit, in into, you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed, get this, from the inside out. You see, we need to place ourselves and put ourselves in that place where we can be transformed. For Moses, it was a mountain of God. For Jesus, it was the garden. What is it for you? Maybe it's the altar. Maybe it's a closet. Maybe it's your porch. I was talking with somebody this week, and they said they just love to go out and, and to, to allow God to work and speak to them on their porch. That's their place. That's where they go. That's where they're transformed by his spirit. What's your place? What have you found? Where are you placing yourself so God can begin to transform you into his image? You see, the key is God wants to give, a, give him our, he wants us to give him our lives, to submit them to him as a sacrifice. And when we do, his spirit and his presence will be released in us to begin transforming us into the image of Jesus. But the second thing is this. As we submit and surrender our lives to him and to the work of the Spirit, we have to get this. We have to allow the Spirit to do his transforming work in us and through us. And this is what I believe. And you may be wondering, what do you mean by allow the Spirit? Doesn't he just work in us? No. I think we have to allow the Spirit to do His transforming work in us and through us. This, this is what happened to me on Tuesday. I was driving to get my allergy shots on Tuesday morning. And I was going through my sermon in my head. And I was working on this point right here as I was driving. And this is what I believe God gave me. Now, I hope it resonates with you. Because it did. I, I bounced this off of Alyssa and I bounced it off of uh, Michelle as well. And either they were lying to me or they said it, it resonated. So um, now because, you know, I, I'm their boss, they may have just said that. I don't know. But um, anyway, this is what I believe God gave me as an example to help us to understand this and to illustrate this. I'm going to use you, Gary, because you're down towards the front and that's what you get for sitting close. Um, Let's just suppose, suppose you were hired for a new job, and it was a huge job. In fact, when you applied, you, you, you wasn't sure whether that was something you could actually do or not. But when, when you finally got hired, your boss says this, uh, Gary, I know this seems daunting, it's a big task, but just like I've done with everybody else, I'm going to give you a supervisor. And that supervisor is going to be there, Gary, and he's going to help you. 
and he's going to guide you and direct you, and he's going to teach you, and he's going to help you to be the best employee you can be. But you also need to understand that, that he's not going to push himself on you. Okay, He's going to be there, but he's not going to push himself. He's not going to be a micromanager. He's not going to be looking over your shoulder, but he is going to be there. But you're going to have to ask for his help because if you don't ask, he's not going to help you. Now, the first several weeks, first several months, Gary knows that this is a big job, and so he really relies on the supervisor to help him and to guide him and direct him. But as time goes on and the job seems to be getting done, all of a sudden, in Gary's mind, he's going, you know what, I don't know that I really need that supervisor. I think I can do this job. In fact, I think I can do it just as well without him. And so in his mind, it's like he locks the supervisor in, the, in, the, in his office. And then he begins to do the job by himself. And then here's what he discovers. Over the period of time, and not very long, all of a sudden his work isn't quite as good as it was. All of a sudden, the jobs that they were asking him to do are not getting done. And not only is he getting frustrated, but he's ready to quit. Now, I say that for this reason. Because, unfortunately, that's exactly, I think, what happens to us. You and I have been given the awesome gift of the Holy Spirit, and yet over time, we forget he's there. He's not going to force himself on us. He's not going to micromanage our lives, but he is there to help us and to guide us and to direct us. But over time, we forget he's there. We, we just think we can do the job ourselves. And so it's like we take the Holy Spirit and he's in our hearts and we just lock him in a closet and say, you just stay there for a while because I don't need you. And let me tell you, every time that happens, the kingdom of God suffers the consequences. We've got to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work in our lives. Thirdly, we need to begin to to demonstrate his transforming power in how we live out our lives. In other words, we've just got to start living it. We've, started, we've got to start living that transformed life in front of people. Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 4 to 6, Brothers and sisters, God loves you. And we know he has chosen you because the good news we brought to you came not only with words, but with power, with the Holy Spirit. And with sure knowledge that it is true, also, get this, you know how we lived when we were with you in order to help you. And you became like us and like the Lord. You suffered much, but still you accepted the teaching with joy that comes from the Holy Spirit. Here's the thing. When we begin living out the inward change that comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit, People will be drawn to Christ very naturally because of the difference that they see in us. Sometimes you won't even have to say anything. Sometimes they will come to you to find out what in the world has made the difference in your life. I mean, why are you different? How can you live that way? How can you accept some of the things that have happened to you? What is it? What's in you that causes you to do that? They will be drawn to you because of that life that you now begin to live in front of them, that transformed life. Let me tell you, that's why the way we live is so important. James writes, so humble yourself before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. 
Come close to God, and God will come close to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, for your loyalty is divided between God and the world. Let there be tears for what you have done. Let there be sorrow and deep grief. Let there be sadness instead of laughter and gloom instead of joy. Humble yourself before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. The way you live is extremely important because it sends a message and it speaks to the world, sometimes louder than anything you'll ever say. So let me get a little practical with you for just a moment. And let me ask you this. What are you dumping in your mind through the internet and the TV and the movies and the books and your music? How about your bodies? Through the things you eat, drink, smoke? I mean, what do you do when the jokes start flying in the office or the locker room? You see, the bottom line is this. We would not take God's word some of the places we go. Or we would not hold it up when we are hearing some of the things we hear. Or we would not write in it some of the things that we have said. You see, our society has infected all of us from our attitudes toward right or wrong, our language from the things we watch on the tube or the computer. Don't you see our hearts, as we have already said, are the very temple of the Holy Spirit. God lives right here and he desires a home that is, is being kept clean and pure for him. Never forget, the people around you, especially your family and parents, especially your kids, they see right through you. They see right through you and they see you for what you really are. And for who you are. And so maybe the reason you find it difficult to share or you wonder why people just blow you off when you try to talk about church or you try to talk about Jesus is because they see you for who you really are. So how are you living? How's your life? If we are going to call ourselves Christians, then it's time we started treating our bodies and our minds with a little extra measure of purity. And so that how we live speaks to those around us, especially our families. But lastly, and this is so cool, when we begin to really rely on the, the transforming power of the Holy Spirit in our life, get this, we will become a conduit for his power to flow through. We will become a conduit for his power to flow through. When Israel went into battle, they would take the Ark of the Covenant with them. The reason, it was the presence of the living God. The mercy seat was there, and it gave them the power to overcome their enemies. But what about us, man? I mean, what about us when we go out into the world, when we leave the comfortable for the unknown? Sure, we may grab our Bibles and stick them under our arms, or we may pump ourselves up by listening to Christian music. And that's all well and good, but never forget that we have living inside of us the very presence of the living God. That supernatural power that's there to guide us and to teach us and to empower us to live lives above the world. And so here's the question that we all need to answer. Does the Spirit of God still indwell people in such a way that it causes us to live lives that stand out in a good way? from the rest of the world because of the power of God that's living inside of us. Does it? Well, the answer to that is you bet it does. You bet he does. 
God's Spirit still indwells His people. And He still allows us to live out powerful Christian lives that make an impact in this world for the kingdom of God. Now, I love to read the book of Acts. I mean, it's great history, isn't it? But how would you like to live it every day of your life? I mean, how would you like to be a part of a church that literally was growing every single day of the year? How would you like to be a part of a church that wasn't baptizing one or two, but three, four, five thousand because of the people that were drawn to the message of Jesus Christ? A place where the baptismal waters were being stirred every day. But I know what some of you are sitting there thinking, if you were honest. You're thinking, but that can't happen today. Well, you, you try telling that to the Spirit of God. But we can't do those things. Try telling that to the Lord. Here's the thing. This community needs to see Christian people stand out and stick out in the right way. By the power of the Holy Spirit. We need people today who are willing to move forward in the power of God, just like the Israelites did. People who are willing to say, I'm not afraid of the 10,000s that may come against me because God's Spirit is in me and He goes before me every single day of my life. Now let me tell you, it's easy to say you believe that when you're in here, but where it's proven is when you walk out those doors and you start living in the real world. You see, we have his holy power living inside of us, and we need to become the conduits that allow his spirit to flow through us into the lives of others. So we're going to reflect, and as we do, I just want to ask you a few questions. And the first question is this. Are you living your life with the reality of the presence of God in your heart? Are you living that way? Seriously. Are you living your lives with the reality of the presence of God in your life? Or have you been a Christian so long that you actually forgot that the Spirit of God was even there? How about this? Are you allowing His Spirit to change you? Are you allowing His Spirit to transform you into the image of God? Or are you just kind of happy with the way things are? I mean, after all, you've got a great routine going with God. You got a great routine going to church. You can come. Nobody else knows any different. You can come, sing a little bit, have a few, you know, a coffee and maybe some great cupcakes like we had today. It's all good stuff. But are you allowing the presence to change you and to help you to become more like Christ? Are you relying on the Spirit to empower you to go from the comfortable to the unknown? Where are you at in your life? Adam's going to come and play and we're going to reflect. And the question is, what's God doing in your life? Are you allowing his spirit to move in you and through you and live in you in a way that it impacts others? First service is a great man. David Meredith goes by Woody. He's an older gentleman, 63. He's been coming now probably for three or four months, maybe, maybe a little longer. He started coming because he understood he needed God in his life. He literally should have been dead three different times. 
Um, the first one was he woke up one morning, I think it's back in the late 90s. When he woke up, he had a, uh, literally a baseball-sized tumor on his neck. It was stage four throat cancer. They gave him six months to live. He came through that. He had another time not too long ago where a piece of plaque broke loose and instead of going to his brain and killing him, it went in his eye and it caused blindness for just a short amount of time. The doctor said, I've never seen that. You ought to be dead. He said, you must have somebody watching over you. He said through those experiences, he realized he needed to get his life right with God. He knew Joyce and he knew Joyce went to church, so Joyce started bringing him to church, just started being a friend, just started pouring into him. And we witnessed David's baptism this morning as he gave his life to Christ. See, change doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And we don't do the changing. God does. His spirit does. But we get to be a part of it in how we pour into others. Are you allowing his spirit to do his work in your life? Are you allowing that to affect how you live? If not, then, then maybe you need to get some things right. This is your time. Is that in place? We're just going to reflect. And if there's anything on your heart, you just come. We will pray with you and encourage you today. Let's reflect.